All right. Well, good morning, church. Um, you're not here, but you're at home. So hopefully you guys are enjoying the service so far and, and worshiping alongside of us. Uh, I'm glad you're able to, to tune in and you're here. Uh, today we are continuing John, our series in John. John chapter 10 is where we're at. John chapter 10. And, and the question that we're answering this morning is, who is the good shepherd that we should follow? Who is the good shepherd that we should follow him? John chapter 10. I'm going to read a, a selection of John chapter 10. There's going to be, going to be more that, that we look at, but, but I at least want to get us into the text. And so well, let's read a selection of John chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 1. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And so Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by, my, by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is hired and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord." I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together, even though digitally, but, but to gather together, Lord, to worship you, to, to hear your word read, to hear your word preached, Lord. And God, as we... As we move into the preaching portion of today's worship service, Lord, would you convict us? Would you encourage us? Would you teach us, Lord? Would you help us to apply this message to our life? Would you call others to yourself, God, and save them so that they might have the hope of Jesus? And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have any passing connection to Christianity at all, maybe, maybe you have just been to a Christian funeral. If, if you have any passing connection to Christianity at all, you have probably heard or even read for yourself Psalms 
chapter 23. And, and if the reference doesn't ring a bell to you, that the psalm begins, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I bet, you know, you've been exposed to that psalm at, at one point in your life or another. For me, I remember the first time that I was exposed to it. My mom, she had this chapter printed out. She had this chapter framed and it was, it was hung on our wall in our house. And, and I would see this often as a child. And, and maybe that's how you were first exposed to it. Maybe there was a, a, something hung on the wall in your house or, or maybe, maybe you just were read it at home by your parents or, or some other way. Or maybe you heard it read at a funeral. You know, I was reading this sermon just this last week and, and the pastor was talking about that, that almost 90% of funerals that he does, he is asked to read Psalms chapter 23. And that same minister said that, that he would read all sorts of passages at, at the funeral, all sorts of passages that were meant to provide hope and comfort, you know, in this time of grief. But he said there's no passage that affects people, impacts people more than Psalms chapter 23. He said, everybody breaks down when that passage is read because the image of the great shepherd goes so deep. Now, why is that? Why does this image impact us so much? Well, I believe it's because deep down we long for the things that the good shepherd of Psalms 23 provides for us. We all long for, for calm places. We, we long to, to be restored, you know, our weary and achy heart to be restored. We all long for safety and satisfaction and peace. We all long for those things. And the longings of, of Psalms chapter 23, those things, they, they go beyond the funeral service. They, they go beyond that time of grief. They break into the everyday. And I believe that's why that psalm is, is so impactful to us. We look out at this world and we see that, that this world is broken. We feel it pressing on, in on us each and every single day. And, and, if, and if you haven't felt that in the past, I know that you're feeling that now. Not only is there crime, not only is there loss, not only is there heartache, but, but we have nature pressing in on us right now. This is why... You know, we all have this shelter-in-place order. While we, we can't go and do things like normal. This is why we are, we are having a live stream here today. The world, the sinful world in which we live, it is, it is broken. It doesn't operate in the way that God has designed for it to operate. And we feel that. We feel the effects of that each and every single day. And we are, we are feeling that now in unprecedented ways. And it's times like these that we long for the Good Shepherd to lead us to, to lie down in green pastures, to lead us beside still waters. We long for our souls to be restored. And those longings, those longings that we have, they are, they are good and they're right. But there's only one shepherd who can provide these things for us. There's only one shepherd that we should follow. And, and who is the good shepherd that we should follow? Well, John chapter 10 tells us. Now, if you just pick up the Bible and you began reading in John chapter 10, you would, you would certainly see that this is a passage about a shepherd. And you might think that it's just a, a passage about any old shepherd. And certainly the topic is shepherding, but, but we need to put this illustration that Jesus has given us here into its proper context to really understand what Jesus is getting at. Now, if you remember, if you tuned in last week or if you watched us again after we posted the service, uh, we went through John chapter 9. 
In John chapter 9, we learn that, that Jesus healed a blind man, and Jesus healed this blind man on the Sabbath. This is the, the day of rest. And this really caused some problems with the Pharisees, with the religious leaders of the day. And it really put them at odds with Jesus. There was this controversy there. And not only did this cause a controversy with Jesus, but, but we also saw that, that the, the religious leaders, they, did not, they didn't celebrate what Jesus had done. They didn't celebrate the fact that this blind man had been healed. This man who was blind from birth, they didn't celebrate that, that he had been healed. Instead, what did they do? They, they questioned him. They attacked his character. They, they pressured him to denounce Jesus as a sinner. When he, when he wouldn't do any of those things, they ended up casting him out of the synagogue. And, and the Pharisees, they, they continue to act in this way. They, they don't celebrate the healing that, that has been occurring as we've been reading through the book. They certainly didn't celebrate the healing last week of this blind man. They, they continue to press against Jesus. They continue to, to seek his life because they don't see Jesus for who he really is. They don't see Jesus as the God-sent Savior, and so they don't turn to him. They don't, they don't worship him. They don't, they don't turn to Jesus in belief and trust because they don't have spiritual eyes to see. Instead, they are blind. Not physically blind, but, but spiritually blind. And their spiritual blindness not only leaves them to face God's wrath, but, but it also affects the way that they shepherd the people. And how does it affect their shepherding? Well, with John 10, it begins with this alarming scene. Jesus paints a picture for us at the beginning of John chapter 10 of, of a sheepfold. And the sheepfold is where the sheep would go at night. And at the beginning of, of the chapter, the, the, the sheep, they are asleep in the sheepfold, but they aren't safe. An intruder comes in. Look at verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way. That man is a thief and a robber. And so as we begin John chapter 10, right after Jesus has this conversation with the religious leaders at the end of John chapter 9, we, we see that he launches into this illustration of the shepherd. And, and we see at the beginning here that, that the sheep aren't safe. There's an intruder who is coming into the sheepfold. He's coming in to, to steal some of the sheep. And the way that he does that is he, he goes over the wall. And the sheepfold is an enclosed area with, with the solid wall around it. And on top of this wall, there will be briars and things like that. And there was a door at the, at the entrance of the sheepfold. And at the entrance of the door there, or at the door there, there will be, you know, a, a gatekeeper. Someone who is hired by uh, the shepherds to, to watch over the sheep at night. And the gatekeeper, he would sleep at the entrance to, to help keep robbers and, and thieves out. And so the only way into the sheepfold would be through the gate, which means you got to go through the gatekeeper and he is supposed to be protecting the sheep, or you have to go over the, the wall. And anyone who is going to go over the wall is, is really up to no good. And the person who tries to enter the sheepfold by climbing over the wall is, is not the true shepherd, but he is the false shepherd. Someone who doesn't own these sheep, but somebody who wants to benefit from the sheep by, by taking them. This is what the false shepherd does. And what Jesus is doing here at the beginning of, of John chapter 10 is he's, he's setting up this distinction for us between the Pharisees or the religious leaders of the day and himself. 
The robber and the thief is, is characterized by the Pharisees. Think back to the story of the blind man from, from last week, right? When, when the man was healed, they didn't celebrate. They didn't, they didn't worship God. They didn't care anything about that man. All they cared about was their own system and keeping that system safe because that's how they were gaining salvation through works. Their goal wasn't to build anyone up. Their goal was to build themselves up. And that's what false shepherds do. They don't care about the people. They just care about what they can get from the people. But contrast that image with the true shepherd. Look at verse two. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The true shepherd, he doesn't have to climb over the wall at all. He can come in through the gate because the sheep know him. The gatekeeper knows him. He's the one who hired the gatekeeper to to stay there, to protect the sheep. But not only does the gatekeeper recognize him, not only does the gatekeeper open the door for him and get out of the way so that he might bring the sheep out, but we also see, as we continue in verse 3, the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out, all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they, speaking of the the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they did not understand what he was saying to them. And so we see that that the shepherd knows his sheep and, and the sheep know them, that the sheep know their shepherd. And the scene that, that Jesus paints here is, is something that would happen each and every single day in his day. It would take place every morning. The sheep were, were placed in the sheepfold at night. The gatekeeper was placed there. And then after you know, night, in the morning, the, the shepherd would come and, and there would be multiple shepherds who would come because typically multiple you know, flocks would be placed into one uh, sheep pen at night. And the, the shepherds would then begin to call their sheep and, and the ones, you know, and the sheep would know who their shepherd was and they would, they would literally come to their shepherd, their own shepherd. They wouldn't go to the other ones. They would come to theirs and that shepherd would then lead them out into the pasture for the day. And he would take care of them. He would watch over them in the pasture. If one strayed, he would go after them. If there was danger, he would protect them. If there was something wrong with them, he would doctor them up. Day in and day out, the shepherd would do this for his flock. And he did it because he cared for the flock. He wanted what was best for the flock. And so we see here this this contrast that that is being set up. A contrast between the false shepherd and the good shepherd. The false shepherd is selfish. He takes from the sheep. He uses them for his own gain. The true shepherd, though, he is selfless. He gives of himself, he, he cares for, and he loves the sheep. And you know who the good shepherd is? Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the one who cares for and provides for us. He's the one who, who selflessly gives of himself so that we might experience life, so that we might experience life abundant. Jesus is not the false shepherd. He doesn't come and, and take from the sheep at all. He doesn't use the sheep for his own gain. No, no, Jesus comes and Jesus lays his life down for the sheep. Jesus acts selflessly. And Jesus does this because he loves his flock. But we learn that the false shepherds, they, 
They take from the sheep. And why is that? Why do the false shepherds use the sheep rather than care for the sheep? Well, look at verse 5. A stranger they will not follow, speaking of the sheep, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And so what do the, the Pharisees do? Well, the Pharisees, they flee from Jesus. They don't come to him like the blind men did. Instead, they seek to kill him, which means that that they are not led by Jesus. Jesus is not their shepherd. Jesus is not the one that that they hear his voice and they run to him because he is not their shepherd. Instead, they have another shepherd. They have another master, and their master is Satan. Satan is selfish. And instead of worshiping God, what did Satan try to do? He tried to overthrow God. He tried to take God off of his throne in rebellion against him so that he might be able to rule. Just as their shepherd is selfish, the sheep who, who follow the shepherd are selfish as well. The false teachers are selfish because their shepherd is not Jesus. Their shepherd is Satan. All this tells us then that that false shepherds aren't a part of Jesus's flock. If we think back to the narrative from last week and what it teaches us, we we learn there that they they are not a part of his flock because they don't recognize their own blindness. They, They haven't been given eyes to see themselves for who they really are, people who are blind, people who need sight. And in turn, they don't see Jesus for who he is, the God sent Savior. This is why verse 6 tells us that, that they didn't understand what he was saying to them. This is why they don't recognize their need for the true shepherd. They think that they have it all figured out. Instead of following Jesus, what do they do? They, they seek to get rid of Jesus, and that's because they don't see their deepest need. And that narrative has not changed. And we don't see our deepest need today either. You know, doing research for this sermon, I came across a post highlighting 38 top personal development influencers. Now, now some of these names might be familiar to you. Evan Michael, Gary Vaynerchuk, Lewis Howes, Joe Rogan, Tony Robbins, Ty Lopez. These people, 32 others are considered to be some of the top influencers when it comes to personal development. Most of these people, they have their own blog. They have a YouTube channel. Um, they, they have an Instagram account, Facebook account. Some of them have, have even written books. They have, they have thousands, if not millions of followers. Now, now let me just say, I'm not saying that, that everything or even all of what these people are saying are necessarily bad, they're necessarily wrong. I know that that some of them can be very helpful as far as life skills goes, business skills, organizational skills, people skills. And so so I'm not saying that that what these folks are saying, these these top influencers are necessarily bad. We certainly need to run what they say through, through scripture. But I'm not saying today that that all of them are bad. I'm not trying to call them out for being bad. And say, well, what, I'm, what I'm focusing in on is their popularity. And I'm asking, well, why? Why are these folks so popular? Why do they have thousands and, and even millions of followers? Why are people just hanging on every word that they say? And I, I believe it's because deep down, we know that we really need to change. It's just that we don't know what type of change it is that that we need. 
And these influencers, they, they certainly talk about change. They, they, they give you a bunch of tips and techniques and tactics and, and how you might change. And on one level, those things, are, those things can be very helpful. They can help you in your business. They can help you with your people skills and your personal skills, and your organizational skills. On one level, these things can be very helpful and these things produce results. And this is why people are, are definitely attracted to them. And people want that. Deep down, well, we all know that we need to change. And that's why we flock to these influencers. This is why self-help books and, and influencers books, why, why they just you know, fly off of the shelves and why people are tuning in each and every single week to hear what these folks have to say. But, but here's the problem. We need a deeper change than what these people can offer. You see, deep down, we believe that we are inherently good. But, but here's the thing, we are not inherently good. Instead, we are inherently sinful. While we might do some good things from time to time, we, we really aren't that good. We are sinners who have rebelled against God for our own self-glorification. We might do works that others praise in the culture, and, and some of the, the ways that the culture praises is going to change over time. We, we see that taking place right now. But we might do work that, that, that the culture praises as, as good and right, but, but the works that we do apart from Christ are not really good. Instead, God sees those works as sinful and selfish and the product of a rebellious people who are doing nothing more than, than trying to make a name for themselves or trying to earn God's favor, trying to use God as their own personal genie. Like, I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna do some good things and God owes me and now God is gonna provide for me and if God doesn't provide for me, well, I'm gonna be disgruntled. I'm gonna, I'm gonna think that God doesn't exist. I'm gonna think that God is not real. I'm gonna, I'm gonna think that God has not upheld his end of the bargain. We talked more about this last week. I won't go into that much more than that. But, but you see, even our, even our best work apart from Christ is sinful and selfish. It's all about us and what we can gain from that work. See, we don't see ourselves for who we really are. The type of change that we really need is a, is a complete radical change that only the good shepherd can bring about in our life. We need release from self and sin and a judgment that results from all of that. We need eyes to see our blindness, to see ourselves for who we really are, eyes to see Jesus for who he really is, the God-sent Savior who has come to rescue us and to provide for us, to provide for his flock, to lead his flock. We need eyes to see that Jesus as the good shepherd you see, we need someone who will change us completely and release us from God's judgment. And the good shepherd is the only one who can do that because he is the only one who can and will lay down his life for the sheep. Jesus says, starting in verse 17, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. 
I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And so we see here that Jesus has been sent on a rescue mission for his sheep by the Father. And the way in which he rescues us is completely upside down from the way in which the world seeks rescue. And what he does is he comes. And instead of gathering an army, instead of, instead of coming against the forces and the powers that be of this world, no, Jesus comes and he lays down his life. Jesus goes to the cross for us and Jesus says, I am not forced to do this. I do this on my own accord. No one has forced my hand. I come on my own accord and I give up my life on my own accord. And on this side of redemptive history, we know, we know what happened. It is it's just a prediction here. It's just a, a foretelling in John chapter 10. As you read through the narrative as Jesus is, is talking with his people, it is just a foretelling of his crucifixion is to come. But on this side of redemptive history, we know what happened. We know that Jesus was cross, crucified on a Roman cross. We know that, that, that nails were, were pierced He was pierced with nails, that he hung on this cross and that every single breath that he took, he was gasping all the while, while he's facing just the punishment and the the torture that was the Roman cross. Something worse was happening to Jesus. Our sin was literally placed on Jesus and the Father's wrath was poured out on Jesus. Jesus faced God's wrath in our place. He did what we could not do. He paid the price for our sins. He gave up his life. And that's why Jesus came. He came on a rescue mission to save his sheep, to pay the price for them, to take the Father's wrath for his sheep. That's what the good shepherd does. He dies in our place to release us from sin, Satan, and the wrath of God. You know, I came across a hymn just this last week, Christ the World We Sing, that beautifully highlights what Jesus did. The second verse reads, Christ for the world we sing, the world to Christ we bring. With fervent prayer, the wayward and the lost, by restless passions tossed, redeemed at countless costs from dark despair. Jesus died to redeem us from the Father's wrath so that he might bring us into the sheepfold. And and along with redeeming us from the Father's wrath, Jesus, he also frees us from a wayward and lost life, a life of of restless passions, a life of, of dark despair. Jesus frees us from that. He changes us from the inside out. The the type of change that that we truly need, Jesus provides for us. And he gives us this change because he is the good shepherd. And we need this change from the inside out, not just the outside in. You see, it's not about the externals. It's not about just just making ourselves look better by by wearing different clothing or or acting differently when we're around a certain group of people or when we're out in public. No, what we really truly need is for our heart to be changed. We have to be changed from the inside out. And it's only then will we truly live for God in the way that he has called us to live. 
It is only then when our heart is changed that we will truly be able to serve in the way that God has called us to serve, that we won't act like the false shepherd and use and abuse people, that we won't be, that we won't be selfish, but that we will be selfless, that we will truly give of ourselves and that we will truly worship God for who God is, not for what we can get for God. It, it is only then when we are changed from the inside out Will that change truly take place? And that is the type of change that we need. And all those who have been changed by Jesus, they will hear his voice and they will follow Jesus. And those who do, they will experience eternal life. Look at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father am one. Now this is one of the greatest promises in Scripture. Those who are Jesus's, those who are His, will go into His sheepfold. They will hear His voice. They will follow Him And not only that, but those who are Jesus will continue to follow him. They will never be devoured. A a robber will never break in. They will never be stolen away from him. Those who are part of Jesus' sheepfold are eternally secure and they will experience everlasting life. And Jesus keeps us. Jesus keeps us through belief and through power. You see, the same way that, that we come to Jesus we are kept in Jesus and that is through belief. We, we come to Jesus by believing the good news, by believing that Jesus is the God-sent Savior who rescues us from sin, who rescues us from, from Satan, who, who rescues us from death by dying in our place and then resurrecting from the grave. We come to Jesus when we believe in that, when we, when we repent of our false belief that, that we know what is right, that the world knows what is right, we repent of that type of belief. We repent of those actions that, that the belief leads to. And we, we turn and we believe in Jesus. We trust in him as our Lord and as our Savior. When we believe the truth about Jesus, we come to faith in Jesus. And likewise, we are kept through this belief as well. You see, it is, it is a matter of belief. It's not that, that we believe in Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior and that it just kind of gets us into the sheepfold. No, that, that belief continues in order for us to, to stay in the sheepfold. That belief continues. So it's not about us just gaining greater theological or doctrinal knowledge or, or biblical knowledge. It's not about just having a better accountability partner. It's not about us just receiving principles for, for better living. You know, those are not the things that keep us in the sheepfold. It's not that, that those things are not, not good. Right, We certainly need accountability partners and we need to have good accountability partners. If your accountability partner is not good, you may need to find another accountability partner. You know, it's not that we don't need biblical knowledge. We certainly need biblical knowledge. We need to read God's word. If you're not reading God's word on a day-to-day basis, then you are shortchanging yourself. You, you are not learning more about who the God of this universe is. You're not learning more about who Jesus is. And so we must have biblical knowledge. And just so you know, everybody is a theologian. 
Everybody has an idea of who God is. And so when you hear the word, oh, I just want to have biblical knowledge, but I don't want to be a theologian, or I don't want to look at theology or doctrine, every single person is a theologian. Some people just choose to read books about theology that maybe gets a little bit deeper. But everybody's a theologian because we all have opinions about God. And our opinions about God should be good and right opinions that, that are derived from God's word. Not just how we think or, or what we think or how we feel, but what does God's word say? And so we need to read God's word. We need accountability partners. We need, you know, to understand how we are supposed to live. But it's not those things that keep us in the sheepfold, right? It's not that, that we just believe the gospel to get into the kingdom, into the sheepfold, and then we go on to, to keep ourselves in some other better way. No, no, it is always through belief. It is always through trust. We must continue to believe that Jesus is the true and better shepherd, or what are we gonna do? We're gonna go and find another shepherd that we can follow. And that's where we get into trouble. That's where, that's where we start following idols. That's where we begin to, to walk away from Jesus. It's always about belief. It's always about belief in the gospel and the good news that Jesus truly is our savior, that he is the true and better shepherd, that he provides for us in ways that, that we can never imagine, that he gives us every single thing that we need. It is always belief, belief unto salvation and belief unto glorification as we continue to believe in Jesus throughout our entire lives until we pass on into the next world. And we also remain in him because of his power. John, Jesus tells us in 28 and 29 that no one is greater than he and the Father. No one is able to come and snatch them out of the Father's hand. No one is able to defeat him. God is the all-sovereign, all-powerful creator and ruler of this entire universe. Nobody is greater than him. Satan has already tried to throw him off of his throne and, and he lost. And he lost big. He got cast out of heaven. He's going to spend all of eternity in hell with the Father's wrath being poured on him. And there is nothing that he can do to thwart God's plan because he is the greatest in the entire universe. And it is God's power, that power that, that created this world, that power that, that saved us, a power that, that raised a dead man to life. It is that same power that raised Jesus out of the grave to live again. That same power that keeps us and continues to keep us. There's no one who can defeat him. And that goes back to our first point, that it is about belief. Right? We can believe, we can trust in God that he will indeed save us because of his power, because of who he is, because of the promises that he has delivered on in scripture and the promises he continues to deliver on in our own life. God will do what he says. Our salvation in Jesus is secure. All of those who are in his sheepfold today will remain in his sheepfold if they are truly sheep, they will remain forever and ever because they will continue to believe and it is the power of God who will keep them. No one, nothing can snatch them out of God's hand. 
which tells us that, that not only will we experience everlasting life, but we will experience abundant life. Earlier in the passage, in contrasting the thief and, and himself, Jesus says in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, certainly there is a, a forward-lookingness to what Jesus is saying. He's, he's talking about the kingdom coming. But, but remember, Jesus has already brought the kingdom near. He's already brought the kingdom with him. And so those who are part of the sheepfold, they can experience that abundant life now. It's not that, that we have to wait for it in the future. Certainly the life in the future that we will experience will be a greater life. There will be no sickness, no death, no viruses that are, that are ravaging the planet. But we can experience peace now. We can experience life abundant now because we are a part of Jesus's sheepfold. And so we don't have to despair. We don't have to worry. We don't have to, to, to be, uh, feel as if we are guilty because Jesus has paid the price for us. The good shepherd has come. The good shepherd has called us to himself. We are following the good shepherd. He is leading us out into pasture. He leads us beside still waters. He comforts and he provides us with peace even in moments of anxiety, even in moments of worry, even in moments of, of desperation. Jesus is there with us as the good shepherd and he is comforting us. He is providing for us. And so we can experience life abundant now. We can experience life in a way that, that those in this world who don't know Jesus can. And this is why we we are to live our life on mission. This is what we are to call other people to. We are to call people to the good shepherd. We are to call people to follow the good shepherd because he provides for us in ways that no one ever could provide for us. He is the God sent savior who we should worship and who we should continue to believe in. He's the one that we should follow. He is the true and better shepherd. And I don't know about you, but, but this, this resonates with my soul. Deep down, we know that there is something wrong with this world, that it is broken, that it doesn't operate correctly. We try in all sorts of ways to fix this world. We try in all sorts of ways to fix ourselves. But no matter how great we are, no matter how smart we are, no matter how much technology we have, no matter how capable we have become, as a society and this world is still broken and we can't fix it and we can't fix ourselves either and if we want to experience the abundant life that we all desire that I know that you want that I want that, that, that I have joy experiencing each and every single day even though life around me is not going well if we want to experience the abundant life then we need to follow the good shepherd he is the only one who can satisfy the deepest longings of our soul he is the only one who can truly captivate us. If God has given you ears to hear his voice, if he has given you eyes to see, then follow Jesus today. Let him lead you towards green pastures beside still waters. If you've been given ears to hear his voice, if you've been given eyes to see, follow the good shepherd today. Let the good shepherd captivate you. Believe in him today. Follow him today. That's how we can respond. 
That's how both those who are believers and those who, who would admit that, that they haven't trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Shepherd, as their Lord and Savior, that's how they can respond too. That's how you can respond. You can respond by believing that Jesus is the Good Shepherd, that He has come, that He has paid the penalty for your sin, that He's died on your behalf, that, that He has freed you from having to follow a false shepherd. It is called you to himself so that you might follow the good shepherd and enjoy peace enjoy the pasture that he provides have life abundant and to know that can never be snatched away from you and so today both those who are believers and those who would admit that they don't believe in Jesus and we can respond and we should respond by believing in Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior, by believing in the Good Shepherd. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for what he means to us. We thank you for what he does for us. We thank you that you have provided us with the Good Shepherd, the one who, who truly satisfies us, the one who, who's not selfish, but is selfless and dies for us. And Lord, we pray today that, that, that we would believe, that you would work that belief in us, whether we are a believer or whether we are a non-believer, God, we pray that, that you would, that you would convict us, that you would cause us to repent of our unbelief of following the false shepherd and you would cause us to believe in the true shepherd so that we might experience eternal life, so that we might experience life abundant now. Lord, be with us this week as well. Be with us this week as we continue to face this, this broken world. God, we pray that you would fix things. We pray that you would rescue us. We pray, Lord, that you would give us peace and joy. In Jesus' name, amen.